reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and then 12 to 21 in the New Revised Standard Version. Please note this is different than what is printed. So I just encourage you this morning to listen to this rich teaching. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned. But those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness more than the light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come into the light, so their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. I landed at the airport in Portland, got a rental car, and was on my way to a retreat center that I'd never been to before. So out of safety and precaution, I had printed out directions, had it on the seat beside me, as well as turned on my phone to a Maps app just to make sure. There were two ways to get to my destination, and I chose the one that was going to get me there 10 minutes earlier because my schedule was already tight enough. I would have chosen the 10 minutes earlier anyway, even if the other one was more scenic. Just revealing those little things about myself so that you will know my faults. Um, I had driven a while without seeing signs to confirm my path, and so I was not sure uh, that I was on target or whether I could possibly be lost. 
So I stopped to ask for directions. Wow, that is really uncharacteristic. Um, but I was late. I mean, I needed to get there on time. And then the directions that I received from the service station attendant confused me all the more. And it wasn't until I went back to my car and looked at the maps phone that I realized that the ping of my location was not even on the screen. That's how bad off I am with electronics. Um, I realized I had taken the alternate route. I thought I was on one path when the whole time I was on another. I simply needed to continue on and turn left at the next intersection up ahead. But the whole time, I thought I had missed my intersection and should have turned right two miles back. Needless to say, I was in the vicinity and near my destination, but not where I thought I was. To me, this describes Nicodemus' experience after having had a conversation with Jesus. As a Pharisee and a Jewish leader, he was confident in his standing with God. Indeed, he was as close as anyone could possibly get or possibly be. He was a descendant of Abraham, a child of God. He was a Pharisee, which is someone who specializes in the pursuit of holiness and the living of a righteous life. He was a leader, possibly even a member of the Jewish religious or ruling council. Yet Jesus tells him he is not part of the inbreaking of God's kingdom, the coming of God's kingdom. He may think he is already there and even in the vicinity, but Jesus implies that Nicodemus is not where he thought he was. We're not told, well, let me just say this, that now if Nicodemus, according to Jesus, has a need for God, then what does it say about the rest of us? He at least was in the vicinity. We're not even on the map when it comes to being close to God in terms of the way John would portray this. We're not told why Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the first place, what his motive was. He could have been uh, thinking that, well, he could have just been interested in what Jesus was teaching and what Jesus was saying, and he wanted to learn more and wanted to see how it aligned with his own beliefs. He could have also thought Jesus' teaching and his actions didn't align with his beliefs, and he was going there to tell Jesus, you might want to not do this here in Jerusalem. It's only going to create a clash and a conflict. We also aren't sure why he comes at night. We could speculate that he is setting on, that he's not in any official capacity, but simply curious about Jesus' identity. And so he comes at night because he doesn't want anybody else to know that he's there. Or it could simply be that he knew that it's hard to get to Jesus in the daytime because of the crowd. So he wanted to come at night when he would have ample time to, to have the conversation he most wanted to have. The one thing that's clear is as soon as Nicodemus addresses Jesus in, a, in sort of a formal and opening way, from that point on, Jesus sets the agenda, not Nicodemus. Nicodemus calls Jesus rabbi and shows respect 
as reflected in the comment, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Well, up till now, in our reading of the Gospel of John, we're aware of one specific sign, that's Jesus turning the water into wine. We're not told that he's done any other signs other than in John 2, toward the end of the description of Jesus' time in Jerusalem during the Passover, we read this. When Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. So it's possible he was conducting miracles. It wasn't just the sign of overturning the money changer tables and clearing out um, the uh, sacrifice, the animal sacrifices in the temple. Something that Jesus was doing had alerted other people's attention and certainly that of Nicodemus. So now ensues this conversation. And Nicodemus fails to register that Jesus is addressing his own personal need for God by, by stating, you must be born from above. The emphasis that Jesus places on this new birth is its source. In other words, it is a spiritual rebirth that's brought about by God. But Nicodemus only responds to the fact that he talks about the, um, the need to, be, to have his life be born over. What, where we have come to understand or have heard the translation, you must be born again. It, that points out the fact that Nicodemus completely misunderstands what Jesus is saying. It's not the source, but the delivery of being born that, that Nicodemus focuses on. He keeps saying, how is this possible? How can a mature adult be born a second time? Nicodemus is asking the wrong question. He should be asking, why is a second birth required to enter or to see the kingdom of God? If he did that, then maybe he would be open to understand why he might be in need of such a birth. The irony of this whole dialogue or exchange between Nicodemus and Jesus is in the opening sentences they they actually are in agreement Nicodemus and Jesus they both speak of one impossibility after the other they match each other Nicodemus says no one can do these signs apart from God Jesus says apart from God without being born from above no one can see the kingdom of of heaven when he uses the term kingdom of heaven, he associates it with, um, with uh, receiving or experiencing salvation as well as experiencing eternal life. John has multiple phrases he used that mean the same thing. Salvation, the kingdom of God, eternal life, they're all one and the same. Nicodemus thinks Jesus is speaking of a physical earthly birth. Jesus is speaking of a spiritual heavenly birth. One is, is the result of the flesh. The other is the result of the spirit. One is a matter of a human act and the other derives from God. The problem is Nicodemus thinks he's already solid with God. 
and he can't relate to Jesus speaking of a need for change. If it were a Gentile, for example, who was converting to Judaism, then he could readily understand a need to undergo such a rebirth. But a Jew, and certainly not an upstanding Jew like Nicodemus, was in need of such a change in his life. Jesus implies every one of us needs such a change. No one is saved apart from God. It doesn't matter who, what family you're born into, what bloodline you have, how righteous your achievements or accomplishments are to date, or whether you, uh, whether you regularly practice ritual purifications that set you apart in, in, in strong relationship with God. We have a physical life, but if we want a new and spiritually transformed life that is given by God, then according to Jesus, according to John, we must believe in Jesus. We must put our faith in him. Through Jesus, all the impossibilities become possible, and through him, the way to rebirth and eternal life is open to all who put their faith in him, who believe in him. Well, the reason I traveled to Portland for my retreat, which is one of a series of retreats, I go for my second one in about uh, two, two weeks, is that I'm working on my inner life. Um, I still have a ways to go. Learning to live more from the center and learning to lead and follow the lead and guidance of my soul and my heart rather than allow all the daily circumstances and world situation to dictate how I see the world, how I feel, how I look, what I understand to be true. I want to be a person of hope that offers and signals the new life of the gospel and the power of that life to live differently, to understand a reality that God is present and at work in our world despite the fact that it doesn't feel that way and that, and that in our, in, even in our own nation, it's not clear what is true and what is false. It's not clear who to believe or who to follow. There's so much conflict and tension. And then you move beyond the United States and it's even greater when you consider the whole world. So how do we live this life from, from this place of being at the center? One of the exercises during my stay was to take a walk in the woods, and I described that walk a little earlier, or one portion of it. I want to now tell you about the, the second half of the walk. It led down to a river and then back up again. There was multiple paths, and as I, return, as I started my return, I came to a crossroad in the path two Two roads diverged and, never mind, in the woods. It was in the woods. Um, there was a sign, and the sign was pointing to the right, and it just simply said, to center. Now, I knew immediately that was a reference to the retreat center. But it's as if a voice inside me said, no, it's a metaphor. You need to move to the center of your life. To get to the heart of things, Dale. 
Perhaps the reason Nicodemus could not hear Jesus was that he could not accept his need to live differently. He believed he was already right. That people should be following his example, his leadership. That he, that the way he saw his life was the only way that it could be. That his direction and practices were sufficient to live to live the good life. So when he encounters Jesus, he faces a sign that points to a new center. The question is, will he take that path? And the question to us is, will we? Just as it was necessary to be born from above, says the text of says this text to be saved to receive eternal life. John goes on to say, so it is necessary that the Son of Man must be lifted up. This is a reference to one of the servant songs in Isaiah that implies that there will be one who will perform a redemptive act for the benefit of his people, this servant of God. John sees this as related to Jesus being lifted up on the cross, his crucifixion and also the lifted up through his resurrection power to offer and promise this eternal life. The purpose of Jesus' death was to give life to all who believe. And from there, John makes two more observations. One is that John's gospel says God's intent all along was a saving one. Jesus, the the Son of Man, entered this world not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. But the very fact of salvation of those who believe implies that there are some who do not believe. And that results in judgment. But John makes it very clear that judgment is their own. If we fail to choose to follow Jesus, then we are choosing our own path. We have made, we have determined our own verdict in that regard. And then finally, the last observation is... He, this one who comes to Jesus in the dark, uh, John now amplifies the fact that Jesus is light yet again, which he announced in the prologue, and that he says to live a, a life of following him is to live a life of following in the light, to be, to live your life out in the open, to not hide anything, to be a person who does the truth, who lives that way who is faithful in his his or her allegiance to God, and then to understand that salvation is not a result of having achieved it by accomplishing good works, but that good works follow someone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. We all have that sign pointing to the center. The question for each and every one of us is, will we take that path?
This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence, living in me. This is the 